0: We're talking about the Great Reboot. This is our fourth week. And by reboot, I mean we got to reboot our brains sometimes. Sometimes you just got to, if you're, you ever found yourself getting into a cycle of thinking, this detrimental, you know, or something takes place and all of a sudden, you know, it sends you back in a spiral. And uh, you know, when, when our computers get stuck, what do you do? You, you reboot it and it wakes up hopefully smart again, Right. Sometimes you gotta do that with your brain. And we started talking about practical ways. The Bible says, no, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, Kate got up here and pretty much preached my sermon. You know, she t- from Isaiah, you know, she, she read a passage saying, don't think like everyone else. Just because this is going on and plotting's going on behind closed doors and this is going on. No, 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 just, just if you're gonna fear anything, fear God, have respect for him. Trust him and him alone. And, and that's, let's talk about rebooting our brains. We're not conditioned in this world to do that. We're conditioned to, you got to look out for number one and no one's going to take care of you but you. And you got to do what's right for you. You got to find your truth. You live your truth, I'll live my truth. Jesus said, I am, I am the truth, <laughs> the way in the life. So if I'm going to live by any truth, I need to see what Christ has to say. And that's, what I can depend on, right? So our key verses, we'll review it one more time. 2 Corinthians 10, three through five. For though we walk or live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. Even though we're in this earthly world, this uh, fleshy, physical world, we're not consumed with fleshy, earthly warfare, okay? Uh, he, but he says, but the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty, before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. He's talking about mental strongholds, those mental patterns that we get into, right? Uh, where we just get stuck and they become uh, destructive. Have you ever known anyone who's like their own worst enemy? That it seems like as soon as they start doing well in life, they wind up like just shooting their own wheels off. And it's from their own way of thinking, their own pattern of thinking. And, and yet Paul's saying, we have weapons within the arsenal that the holy spirit brings us that can overthrow those patterns of thinkings you know those destructive mindsets verse 5 inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of god do you realize that a lot of these thoughts are pretty proud thoughts they're pretty destructive and they're pretty uh, rebellious against what God's word says. God's word says this, and these thoughts say, nope, I'm going to take matters into my own hand, I'm going to deal with this, I'm going to deal with that, I'm going to lash out at this person, I'm, I'm going to remove myself from that person, all this stuff. And it says, no, 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 we, we we're able to bring all that down with this weapon, with the word of God. And he says, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. So, the word of God empowers you, this is all review, right? So the word of God empowers you to lead every thought you have captive back into obedience with Christ, okay? We have a, we have a chance to do that every single day, every single week, uh, you know, even this past, this past week. You know, I, I always get up here and I admit to this, hey, I had something this week, man, set me off. I let myself be angry. So, like, people see anger as something negative. No, it's it's a it's an emotion God gave you. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. So you can get mad about something. Just don't do the wrong thing about it, right? And so I permitted myself about an hour, 45 minutes or an hour. I was irritated about it, kind of steamed over it, processed it. And at that point I said, All right, enough. I'm not gonna be mad about this anymore, can't do anything about it. So I'm gonna let it go and I'm gonna move on. And I'm gonna walk in victory. Well, what did I do? I allowed the word of God and my faith in God to bring captive those thoughts. Right? Uh, I'm not perfect with it every day. I'll admit to you on this. This is stuff that I'm learning too. The stuff I'm trying to implement and practice in my life as well. Uh, But it is effective, and it does work. It worked for me this week. I just, like I said, I gave myself about 45 minutes. I said, "All right, you're done. Get up. Let's move on. Put it away." And after, yeah, after that, hey. I've been walking in victory over that that issue ever since. All right, here it is, Kingdom Thinking. We've been saying it for the last few weeks. At some point, some of you are going to get this. (laughs) Let's read it together. My brain is my brain, and I can choose to not think or feel any way I do not want to. You say, so-and-so makes me so mad. No, they don't. Your thoughts about that person make you mad. This thing happened to me and it just crushed me. No, it didn't. Your thoughts about that thing is crushing you. Your brain, God, he that the son is set free is free indeed. God gives you permission in his kingdom to realize that's your brain. And you get to think whatever it is you choose to think. So oh, does he give me permission to think outside of his word? Absolutely, it's free will. If that's what you choose to do, it's not going to be very successful for you. But hey, he's not going to force you to think anything, right? That's a, that's a wonderful, freeing thought, right? So your brain is your brain. If you don't want to be upset about it, don't be upset about it. I did it this week. All right, I'm done. 45 minutes. I wasted being mad about this. Can't change it. We're done. And that was it. End of story. My brain is my brain. So you guys don't have to make me feel any way I don't want to feel. I don't have to make you feel any way you don't want to feel or think. That's freedom. He that the Son has set free. You're free. Be free, people. Think freely. All right, now let's get into this. Uh, The the subject of today's reboot, and by reboot, we've been talking about how do do we put it into practice? What are some practical ways I can reboot my head using the Word of God? We've we've talked about uh, the prayer of petition, writing down your prayer and what you're believing God for. And how powerful that is. It's, it's manifesting what, you know, uh, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about heaven, heaven is within us. That's what Jesus said. He told the Pharisees that. He said the kingdom of heaven is within you. When you write it down, what are you doing? You're writing what the Lord's talking to you about inside. You're writing it down. You're bringing it here on earth. Another way of doing it is speaking it out. Speaking it out. We sang about it uh, at the... At the uh, the, the very first song, I'm going to raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. You may be surrounded by all kinds of craziness, but when you begin to sing a hallelujah, when you begin to praise God right in the midst of your imprisonment, you are manifesting on earth what's taking place in the heavenlies, right? So, so the prayer of confession was the next one, to speak out the word of God. Uh, Hal does it every single Sunday Anytime you ask him, how are you doing? He says, I am living in the riches and glory of the good Lord. Every day, that's right. Now, for all I know, he could have a headache. For all I know, his car is like messing up on him. <laughs> oh no, it was But when he came in today, guess what he told me? I'm living in the riches and the glory of the good Lord every day. What is he doing? He is speaking the truth of God that supersedes everything in his life. That's the prayer of confession. Sometimes you have to just speak out the word of God, even in the midst of it. I did it, like I said, I did it this week. All right, 45 minutes, that's enough, Dave. You're done. You're done being mad. God is good. God is victorious. I am blessed. I have no need in my life. I'm moving on. What did I do? I spoke the word of God to reboot my head so I wouldn't wallow around in anger all evening, right? So today we're talking, about, uh, we're talking about fully persuaded. Last week we talked about no lack. When you live in the land of no lack, when you realize you don't lack anything, man, that alleviates all kinds of stress. That when you wake up every morning and realize, I have everything I need. right? This week it's fully persuaded. When you, when you have a mind that is fully persuaded, what does that mean? We're about to get into it. We have to, in order to understand what fully persuaded means, we got to go back to the bare bone basics, and that's faith. Hebrews 11 and 1, you know, the King James always says, uh, 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 faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The NLT reads it this way, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Now I highlight it, hope for a reason. So it's the reality of what we hope for, it is the evidence of things we can't see. So it's the reality of what we hope for, the evidence of what we can't see. The Young's literal translation, this is probably the first time I've ever actually read it in a sermon. I use it a lot whenever I study. Really, really good, accurate translations from the, from the 1800s. The reason why I don't read it a lot, uh, like I don't use it in sermons, is because it, it, it tries to keep to the accuracy of even the conjugation of the original Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, all that stuff. And so it just, it reads odd, right? It's going it, to, it, trust me, it's going to drive Kate crazy because the, the comma is really not in the right place for our modern English. But in faith is of things hoped for, a confidence. Of matters not seen, a conviction. See what I mean, Kate? Like the comma should be after four, right? See, I'm telling you, it's getting to your... And faith is of things hoped for, a confidence. So being confident in the things that you're hoping for. When it comes to things not seen, it's a conviction. That's a heavy word. Conviction, it it brings weight, right? Convictions are not preferences. A lot of what we boast about within our religiosity is preferences. Well, we prefer things this way. You know, bless God, you're gonna come to my church, it's gonna be this way. Well, that's a preference. A conviction is something you're almost willing to die for. There's not too many preferences that you'd be willing to die for, right? I prefer that you don't put pineapple on my pizza. <laughs> but I'm not, <laughs> I am not gonna give my life for it, <laughs> you know? Push comes to shove, fine, I'll eat the pineapple. Leave it on there, right? But a conviction is this. Nothing will make me turn my back on my kids. That's a conviction. You know? You'll die for the love of your children, for the love of your spouse. You ain't gonna die for pizza. That's a preference. So this is weighty stuff. Things that you can't see, man, you're you're willing to lay down your life almost for it. There are people all over the world that have died for their conviction. They have never physically laid eyes on Jesus Christ, but they have given their life for the conviction of their faith. Right? So faith is powerful. Faith is of things hoped for, a confidence. of matters not seen, a conviction. So we can define faith as this. Faith is a persuasion, an assurance, a trust. Uh, You can have faith in people. You can have faith in a car. You can put your faith in money. You can put your faith in a job. All that stuff is liable to fail you because it's transient, it's temporary, right? Uh, But there's a lot of things in this world that we do put our assurance or our our persuasion or our trust in, right? Uh, You know, we go out and we crank our cars every morning to go to work we don't really put a lot of we, we, we go out thinking pretty much trusting that it's gonna but to be fully persuaded faith the lord has been teaching me these last few years faith actually means to be fully persuaded fully convinced how many things in life are you really fully persuaded over and if you can think of one That's how you should be about what God's doing in your life. That's how you should be about the Word of God. I'll tell you one that we, and and I use this example all the time, but it's true. Whether or not the sun comes up every morning. Is the sun going to come up tomorrow? You don't hear anyone debating that, right? You can hop on social media. I have not seen one person, out of all the ugly fights I have seen on social media over politics, social issues, sports, <laughs> family matters. <laughs> Woo! I don't know why people want to air family matters out on social media, but God bless you, you know. I have yet to see anyone. Matter of fact, I may even try that. Because I'm actually about 72 hours back on Facebook. They haven't kicked me off this time. So, <laughs> So I may get on there. Who knows? I may get on there and just, I don't think the sun's coming up tomorrow. How about them apples, right? (laughs) To see how many people get all mad about that and offended how many fact checkers I get. So, but we don't, why? Because we just fully, we're fully persuaded. It can be cloudy. We may not physically see the sun. Matter of fact, we don't physically see the sun, but is it up right now? We're fully persuaded that it's somewhere up there, isn't it? That's that same full persuasion that you have about the sun being out right now, even though it's kind of cloudy. Praise God, it's cloudy. That's how we need to be about the word of God. You want to reboot your mind, reboot your thinking, trust the word of God on that level. If God said it, it is more sure than the sun coming up. He's God. Is he a liar or is he truthful? Well, he can't lie. It's not that he won't lie, he can't. I've said it before, if he calls a cat a dog, you're going to look and it's going to be a dog now. Because whatever he says goes, right? So faith, anytime you see the word faith in your head, I want you to think fully persuaded trust, right? Fully persuaded trust. And faith deals with two things. Moving forward, understand this. Faith deals with two things. It deals with things that we do not see. So just because you don't see God at work doesn't mean he's not at work. You've got to trust that he's at work, right? You may be facing a situation and you're like, God, I don't, I don't see you doing anything. Nothing's changing. You've got to trust. Lord, I, I trust you. I know you are working on my behalf. You may not deliver it the way that I need you, or I think I need you to deliver it, <laughs> but you're going to deliver it the right way and the best way. So I trust you. The other thing that faith deals with are things that are not yet. In other words, things that are hoped for. If you're hoping for something, that means that it, it hasn't been de- delivered yet, right? It, haven't, it hasn't manifested in your life yet. So you have hope. So so in rebooting your head to be fully persuaded, you have to understand You've got to trust some things that haven't happened yet and also things you can't see. And that flies in the face of how we're programmed. But check out the scripture, Romans 8, 24 and 25, for we were saved in this hope, but the hope that is seen is not hope. Yeah, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, oh, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So in other words, if you can see it, you don't have to hope for it, right? If if, if you're sitting down thinking, man, I hope my wife makes fried chicken tonight. It would be ridiculous to sit down in front of a plate full of fried chicken and say, baby, I hope you make fried chicken tonight. Well, you don't have to hope for anything. It's right there. There's no need for hope. You could sit here and think about it. So in other words, here's another form of kingdom thinking. We always hear it. I'll believe it when I see it. Anyone ever said that? I will believe it when I see it. That's how we're all wired and programmed. That's wrong. Notice, I marked it out. This is the correct answer from here on out. To reboot your head and be fully persuaded, you have to understand, I'll see it when I believe it. That's part of faith. If you saw the correct path to walk at all times, if you saw the bridge that was waiting on you, (laughs) there would be no need for faith. But part of the covenant that he made, going all the way back to Abraham, that we are now grafted into because of Christ Jesus, was just trust me, leave everything behind and trust me. I'll take care of you, and I will be more than enough. I am El Shaddai, he said to Abraham, the God of more than enough. But you just got to trust me. And that's where we have issues with our thinking. We're all believers in Christ, but the vast majority of the modern-day church doesn't believe Christ. We believe in him, we just have a hard time believing him. And he is the word of God. But if you can learn to believe the word of God, that's the power. That's, that's the powerful thing. So, this is how we're to believe. We, uh, uh, hang on. Let's go. There we are. For we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, you're going to have to get used to just understanding there's going to be some things you don't see. But you got to be fully persuaded that it's there. We don't see the sun right now, Right? we ain't questioning whether or not it's up there. Oh, we see some evidence. We got some filtered light coming through, right? Still isn't necessarily proof that the sun's up there. You just have to trust that it's up there. That's how it is with God. You can look around, you can see some evidence. And by the way, when you're walking in faith, you need to be careful of who you want to sit down and chat with. Because things that bounce Things that all of a sudden uh, bounce off the clouds and you sit there and go, Hey, Lord, I think that that's some evidence that you're at work. You can share it with some people. They'll try to explain it away. Try to rationalize it. Let your faith be your faith. And be careful who you get. You got to get together with people that will agree, be in agreement with you. Right? We talked about that the other week. So this is how we're to believe. Everyone still with me? All right, Romans chapter 4, starting with verse 16. This is talking about Abraham. What a powerful, powerful chapter this is. Roman, man, if you want to know about faith, you read Romans chapter 4. Read Hebrews chapter 11. Woo, Hebrews chapter 11 is powerful. faith. Romans chapter 4, starting with verse 16. So the promise, talking about the promise of God dwelling with his people, being in covenant with his people. Uh, The Jews, for many years, thought that they had a corner on that. Now, all of a sudden, Christ came and busted the door open and said, hey, whoever wants to believe in me, and we're going to graft you in right here to this covenant that God's had with this group of people all these years. So the promise, the promise was, trust me, I'll take care of you. The promise is received by faith, by, so if you want, if you want the Lord to take care of you, if you want the Lord to lead and guide you, if you want the Lord to be all sufficient, you do it by faith being fully persuaded and trusting them, right? By faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham, so if we are fully persuaded the way Abraham was. Fully persuaded of what? Well, if you remember, Abraham was almost 100 years old, and God said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. That's kind of what he talks about here. Now, Abraham could have said, you are crazy, God. I was 100 years old. My wife's already in her 90s. She's never had a kid prior before. If it hadn't worked now, it ain't going to work now. Up until now, we're not going to work. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. I love this. Abraham hadn't even had a kid yet, and God said, I made you the father. That's past tense. I have made you the father of many nations. He calls the things that aren't as though they were. He didn't say, Abraham, you're going to be the father. No, he said, no, you are already. I've already made you that. He sees the end from the beginning, the Bible says. This happened because, why did this even happen? Because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Now notice how his faith worked. Even when there was no reason for hope, Remember, hope is the future thing, something that hadn't taken place yet that we're waiting on. There was no reason for Abraham to hope, but Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, his fully persuaded trust did not weaken even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. That's a powerful place to get. The book of James says that a double-minded man or a man that goes back and forth, oscillating, you know, hey, God, I'm going to trust you. Woo, I had a good church service today, and I'm trusting you. And then by Sunday evening, something happens, and you're ready to throw in the, the, the towel on the situation, right? Well, what are you doing? You're oscillating, and and the book of James says that a that a double minded man is unstable in all of his ways, right? And he says if you're going to ask in this, he he was talking about wisdom. If you're going to ask for wisdom, make sure you just trust him that he's going to give you wisdom, because if you go back and forth, you're going to be unstable in everything you do. So Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. The more you learn to trust in God, the more you're going to trust for even greater things in God. Your faith can actually grow. Your faith, this ability to be fully persuaded in trusting him, can actually grow. So his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. Isn't that awesome to know that when you just simply trust God, you're bringing glory to him? you're bringing praise. A lot of times we think praise is what we do at church when we clap our hands, we sing out, we raise our hands. All that's a form of praise. But just trusting him. Waking up in the morning and saying, "Lord, whatever you got, whatever you got in store, whatever I face today, I trust you." If it's fun, I trust you. If it's challenging, I trust you. But just by trusting him, you're giving God glory. Here we go. Verse 21, this is where we got uh, basically the title from. He was fully convinced. Other translations say he was fully persuaded. That means he believed, even though he had never had a kid, he was almost 100 years old. Sarah was in her 90s, had never had a kid. When God said, no, I'm telling you, Sarah is going to have a son. And through that, you're going to be the father of many nations. You are the father of many nations, he said. He was fully persuaded. He believed it just as much as he believed that the sun's up on a cloudy day. That's some faith. And nothing lined up. There was nothing about that situation that made any sense. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what your circumstances are. You may be going through something where you're like, Lord, I'm going to try to believe, but nothing I'm seeing is making sense. Abraham was right there, but he was fully persuaded. He understood that there were some things going on that he couldn't see. And he understood that God had his future in his hands. So it was safe to hope for something. So he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. God counted him as righteous. I don't think I have this uh, scripture on a slide. Hebrews 10.23 says this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. If you affirm something, that means you speak it out. So, this hope that I'm speaking out, I need to hold tightly to it, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. The quickest way to see if you are holding to your faith, the quickest way for you to know whether or not you got faith in the tank, is to observe what you're speaking. Are you speaking negativity and defeat? Now I'm not talking about, there are times that you're gonna have to find someone you trust and you're gonna have to just let it out. Hopefully you got that kind of friend, right? Everyone got a friend that you can just go barf on if you need to, right? And by that, I mean, you just gotta, sometimes you just gotta spew it out. And then you gotta give that friend permission to go, okay, did you get it all out? <laughs> well, this is what we have to say, right? <laughs> You know? Uh, if you have a friend, that's the other thing, you don't want the friend to like join in with you, right? That's not ever healthy. But if you have a friend, that's one reason why I, uh, uh, at the staff meeting, I was telling Pastor Kate how much I appreciate her and how much I love her. And and we had a conversation the other week where for about 20 minutes, I was able to speak speak my mind on some things. And she sat there patiently listening. And then she said, at the end of it, she what did she say? She goes, okay, are you done? <laughs> and then she came back and spoke life into me. What was that? Well, she didn't, like, she didn't jump in the boat with me. She just helped reel the boat in. That's powerful. That's some good stuff. So it's okay if you got to, sometimes you got to get things out. you got to process, right? But if you were just, con- you ever found someone who was just constantly negative, constantly complaining, constantly everything's wrong all the time, all the time, you know? Uh, I'm dating myself. Y'all remember, anyone ever watched the Banana Splits? You know, the, the kids show, the banana splits, and they always had like the cartoons they would throw. There was Gulliver's Travels, right? Gulliver's Travels, and he was like a big giant compared to these little people, right? And then, but they had that character, Glug. Anyone remember that? Glug? No matter what situation they were in, dire straits, and he would always go, We're doomed. We're never gonna make it. And that's how he sounded every single time. Anyone know Glug? <laughs> Right? No matter where you're at, someone's like, ah, oh, this is horrible. This is, you know, no, no, no. That's, that's, the, that's the best way to gauge how your faith is doing. If you're constantly, if you go through a week and you realize you've been negative all week, hey, you got to get back in the Word of God. And start, start being fully persuaded, right? So let's talk about unbelief real quick. This is how unbelief works as, a, as opposed to if you're going to be fully persuaded. Have fully persuaded trust. That means you've got to have faith. That means that you're going to have to trust some things you can't see. You're going to have to allow yourself to hope for things that have not yet manifested in your life. That's the fully persuaded mind. Thomas was having a rough day. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, Doubting Thomas. Man, we give Thomas a bad rap, the disciple. Oh, Doubting Thomas. I hate that title for him. He really wasn't a doubter. Matter of fact, he was a powerful man of God. Does anyone here know uh, any, any folks from India that are Christians, that are believers? If you do, you can thank Thomas for that. He's the one in, who went and evangelized India, or the region that would become India. And because of Thomas, there is a Christian presence now in the country of India. So Thomas was actually a pretty powerful man of God. He was just having a bad day, which we all have. We're all guilty of being the way Thomas is in this story, right? So John chapter 20, starting with verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into the side, I will not believe what did he say, what, we all, what we've all been guilty of saying? I'll believe it when I see it, right? I'm going to have to look through that, that, that nail print. I'm going to have to touch it. I'm going to have to touch a side. Then I'll believe it, because I can't. Never mind that all of his buddies that he's traveled with for three years are trying to tell him that he's like, man, y'all stop playing with me like that. Well, now we could be hard on Thomas, so but think about it, he's grieving you know the teacher the master that he had followed for probably close to 3 years of his life is gone the mission was not accomplished in Thomas's mind he said i'm not going to believe verse 26 and after 8 days his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them jesus came the doors being shut i love it he just like went right through the doors and stood in the midst and said peace to you then he said to thomas Reach your finger here. I love it. Jesus didn't like sit there and say, what was all this? I believe it when I see it business. Yeah. He didn't say, I bet you're going to believe it next time. Won't you? Huh? You know, (laughs) he didn't, he didn't rebuke Thomas. He just met him where he was. Right. So he looked at Thomas. He says, Hey, reach your finger in here. Look at my hands. He stuck his hand right up to his eyes Said, peekaboo. You see that? And he says, reach your hand in here, and he put it in my side. Then he tells him, don't be unbelieving, but be believing. How was Thomas unbelieving? Because he said, I got to see it first, then I'll believe it. Well, that's not how faith works. Faith deals with two things, things you can't see and things that are not yet. Thomas had no need for faith now that he saw Jesus, well that doesn't take much faith, right? If you can see it. But then Jesus goes on to say, and Thomas answered and said, Now notice Thomas's reaction, man. He declared him as Lord. He said, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you've believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's the kind of faith God is calling this fellowship to. You're going to have to be fully persuaded of some things that just haven't taken place yet. You may be right in the midst of the fire. You may be right in the midst of the storm. Your whole life construct may be in shambles all around you. You may see no way that this is going to turn out good but you're going to have to stand up, dust yourself off, and declare over yourself, all things work for good to those who love the Lord and who trust him, the Bible says. Lord, I don't see it. I can't see it one way. But you're going to make something good out of this. You're going to do something good in my life. I It's not here. The evidence, I'm not even seeing the evidence of it. But you promised it in your word and I believe your word more than I believe this mess that's all around me this mess is transient it's temporary but your word is eternal so I am fully persuaded more so than anything I can see that this is going to happen that's a major reboot uh, Kate mentioned it earlier that we, we we took our pastoral team on a one-day retreat Friday got him out of town and we we spent the whole day eating way too much food (laughs) but also feasting on the presence of God and uh vision casting for this next year just seeking the Lord for his will for 2023 uh plotting out a a a good tentative calendar to kind of give us some direction and and uh it's, it's a part of the spiritual activity of, of moving forward, and it's also part of the business activity of the church because these from these ideas is where we start formulating the budget that winds up getting approved around October and all that good stuff. Uh, so, so it all goes hand in hand. But Friday was much more to me than, than that. I love this. It's one of my favorite days that I get to do stuff with the staff all year. Um But Friday was also a a pivotal day, and it it was another monument of how faithful God is and how much I can trust him. Uh, This past Friday, August 19th, was a one-year date for me. One thing that I have learned uh, uh, over the last decade, the last decade's been pretty rough for my family. There's been some blessed things to take place. But we've experienced uh, a lot of loss. We've lost a lot of loved ones in just a decade's time. We've, you know, my dad, my brother, uh, my mom, uh, a, a household collapse. <laughs> you know, I went through a divorce. Now I've remarried. Guys, bless that. But still, you know, there's still fallout sometimes. Uh, and then uh, one year ago Friday, and and right around 10 45 I got one of the worst phone calls of my life and that was that my 31 year old nephew had just taken his life or they had discovered that he had taken his life uh he was like a kid brother to me I had helped you know my, my family was pretty close-knit so all the kids man we all kind of helped raise and and then later that afternoon you know once uh All the logistics, you know, the paramedics, the coroner, all that stuff, uh, and the police were gone. Um, We needed to to communicate to my sister, so for a few hours later, it was the worst thing I think I've ever had to do in my life, and that was to go let my sister know what had happened, because that was her son, 31 years old, married, two teenage stepdaughters that adored him, had a... 5 year old son that was literally just a few days away from starting kindergarten and uh, that's rough that is earth shaking that is mind blowing and uh, mental health is not a joke you know if you have loved ones that are dealing with it it's okay be supportive let them get help you know uh a lot of times you run into a lot of Christian mindsets that say, well, pray through it, you know, trust God more, you know, which, yeah, these are all wonderful generic solutions, you know, but, but sometimes you need a more earthly, tangible human connection to, to be able to work through these things. And, uh, and I will say this is not popular among some preachers, but I will say this. Uh, if you need medication to help you for a time until you can your brain can heal then praise God for technology and medication we don't we don't think anything about if we have surgery we use medication to help stave off pain until your body can heal right that's right the Lord the Lord put everything we need right here in the earth for us to discover and for us to to be able to utilize to, to help folks we don't think anything about Staving off pain when we're trying to heal and recover, the goal is not to remain on the pain meds, right? The goal is just to kind of help until your body is healing. Sometimes your mind needs to heal, and and if that's so, I, I want to say that I want you to hear the pastor say this. There's no shame in that, okay? Uh, those in the medical field are agents of the Lord, or can be. I mean, granted, in every field there's some some bad eggs no matter what field but so if you're here and you work in the medical field thank you you're you're a service of God you're blessing people helping people but with that uh, that was that was rough and and so the way that I have learned over the last decade to deal with loss and trauma is this I have I have this is my strategy other people have other strategies but my strategy I call it take a lap right uh I remember at school, you know, know, when, like, people would get frustrated in gym class or maybe there'd be tension among some of the boys and they're thumping on each other too much or whatever. Coach would always go, take a lap, right? Well, by the time you went and exerted that energy and got back around, you had a chance to process and calm down, right? And so when I say take a lap, I mean you've got one lap to go around the sun. So it's it's that first year, 12 months, because you go through your firsts. You know, first Easter, first Christmas, first Valentine's, first birthday, first anniversaries, first this, first that, you know. And it's hard, but you process. And for me, once I get back around the sun, I go, okay, I did it. I did it. One one time, I can keep doing it. I know how to keep going on. And so Friday was the end of that lap. And... I'm in a totally different place now than where I would have been at the top of the decade when I started experiencing loss, right? Uh, I'm gonna be really honest and transparent. Early on in the loss, uh, my, uh, my game plan and strategy would have been to take a few days off, probably have too many Dave teenies, just gonna be honest, and then crawl in bed and then come back out when I felt like the bullets stopped flying. Not the most productive way. And this is supposed to be, you know, I'm supposed to be a believer, right? That's because much of my life I was a believer in Christ. I just didn't realize I could believe him. And yet the journey I've been on, there's no substitute for just trusting him. And it's been such a different lap. Have I grieved? Yeah. We all have. Have I mourned? Absolutely. Do I still hurt? Yes. Do I miss them? Yeah, beyond words. Uh, still processing. Still sorting through emotions. From grief to anger to questioning to woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know, all that stuff. But I remember when it happened, and my wife, my wife and I, when we got the call, I was in the car. And when I hung up, and we were starting to head across town to where his his wife and family where I, I my wife and I stopped long enough and I, and I remember specifically saying Lord I don't know what this year holds but this hasn't caught you off guard and I trust you I trust that my family has everything we need to make it this lap and instead of like being in bed for a couple of days <laughs> You know, instead of a Dave Tini, <laughs> at the finish line of that lap, I was in the middle of speaking the word of God over our pastoral staff and pouring into them and loving on them. What a testament to his goodness. And what a testament to just simply believing him and trusting him and saying, this stinks and this is one of the worst things I've ever had to do and I hate every ounce of this but you are faithful and you've got everything I need and joy is going to come in the morning there's never been a night that lasted forever there's never been a storm that lasted forever they come through and they make a big ruckus and sometimes they blow some things over and flood some things out and then they're gone and that's how these situations are So it's been a difficult year, but it's been a blessed year on the flip side of it, too. And if God will do it for me just because I simply put my trust in him. And I saw something. There were some things that my family, my sister and I, we talked about. I don't see how God's going to use this. I don't see how all things are going to work together. But you know what? I trust that they will because that's the God that we serve. And I can't tell you how many people we've been able to reach out to and love on, how many people have opened up. How many people we've been able to refer to help, to get help? God has received glory, even in the midst of something horrific. But you just got to believe in things that you don't see and things that just haven't happened yet. Amen. Let's all stand. Lord, I love you, and I thank you because your word is true. It's truer than anything I can see or touch. And I pray that that's the direction you take every person in this house. Lord, I don't care if they just—they never remember a sermon I preached, but man, if they can learn to trust you the way that you've been teaching me, you're incredible. And you're the most sure thing in my life. I praise you for it, Lord. Thank you so much. Bless these sheep, Lord. Bless your people today. Impart faith. Help them to be fully, fully persuaded. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing one more song as a family. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be hanging out on the side. Uh, once again, thank you, Tim and Caroline, for helping us today. have they sound up wonderful? <laughs> Michael, you sounded pretty good, too. <laughs> Amen. Bree, welcome home. It's so good to have Bree back. Uh, she's been over in the Czech Republic for a while, uh, uh, singing opera, and uh, then her and her husband Jason, uh, and, and then you guys were in South America for, what was it? Was it South America? We were in Madagascar. Oh, Madagascar. Okay, you were in Madagascar for uh, 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 just a couple of months, or a few months there, <laughs> segueing back over into the U.S. But she's back, back home now. So, and I know Mama's happy to have you back home. So. Uh, if you ever wanted to know, if you wondered what Kate looked like in her young days, just look at Bree. She's like a chip off the old block right over here. Amen. Love you. Dr. Knock, I love you. Thank you so much for being here. So the last, I know you've been here the last few weeks. It's, I, it's always good to see your face. So. And you are an, an agent of the Lord. You're blessing a lot of people. Amen. Amen. Let's just glorify him one more time in song. Amen.